Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. I'm really excited today. We are on do, 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 episode 193. And as promised, I have Mr. Sean Kosofsky with me today. He is known as the nonprofit fixer. And he has been actually on the show before. And I actually love, 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 love collaborating with Sean because of all of your amazing, amazing contributions to the nonprofit world. So welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks so much. Excited to be here. <laughs> All right. So, um, and Sean is just really amazing, you know, that you come back on because you really talk about board development. You're an executive director yourself, and you've been involved for many years, about 25 years in the nonprofit sector, doing different types of activism, um, really involved in climate justice and a lot of different um, uh, movements that you personally have just been passionate behind. And then, of course, being an executive director yourself and leading your company, the Nonprofit Fixer, to help the problems that you've really overcome and you see a lot of the different executive directors and board directors struggle with. So that's just, I just want to commend you. And I just want to say that a lot of people out there are anxious and <laughs> excited to listen to this one today because you're going to be talking about how to actually utilize that fundraising, that development committee that the board has or should have. So welcome again. I'm really excited to get started on that. And um, for all of you guys listening out there, do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 193 to get all of the show notes today. And we also have something else coming up, Sean. You want to you talk about that a little bit, what we have coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks? Yeah, coming up uh, in early November on November 3rd. Third, I'm in Eastern Standard Time here in New York. I used to live in San Francisco, now I'm in New York, so still getting adjusted to that. But on November 3rd, we're doing a really great training about boards and how to engage your, your board um, uh, to turn the whole organization around. You need a strong board. And so the title of the training is Transform Your Board in 90 Days, because the tools and the tips we're going to talk about can really be implemented and put into effect in 90 days. And so it's a really um, important and effective training for folks in a very tight window. And you'll get um, some freebies that day also, but people have really loved this training. Yes, and I, I absolutely love the training. I've been a part of your training before on this and it's so beneficial. So for those of you who are listening or watching um, the podcast and you wanna join, it's a free training. Um, it's an hour long and it's just amazing. And it's gonna show you exactly how to transform your board of directors in 90 days. So if you are feeling stuck, if you're feeling stagnant with your board, maybe you know you just haven't had the, the type of um, board involvement that you hope for, and you could be an executive director or you could be on the board yourself and wondering how do I really get this moving and producing the results that I see other boards producing, um, definitely check out this webinar. It's free once again, and Sean is going to give his expertise and some freebies. So you can definitely sign up for that at grantratingandfunding.com forward slash 193. Um, we do have limited slots, so please do sign up soon. And once again, that's happening on Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021 at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
All right. So, but let's get into it today. Like I said, you wanted to really talk about uh, a committee that the board should have. So this committee, you may or may not have. So John's gonna talk about how you can really leverage this committee and also talk about some fundraising tools and really talk about board structure. So you wanna go ahead and get going on that, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's really important when we're thinking about uh, nonprofit boards um, to think about the board as the owners of the nonprofit, right? The, the nonprofit board really is the incorporating agent. And when you are part of the nonprofit board, you have it in your responsibility to make sure that the organization that you're leading is resourced. Um, boards can't just pass a budget and then walk away. They can't just say, oh, we're going to spend a million and raise a million and then only be there for the spending part. Boards have to be there for the raising part, right? Because they are financially and have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure this organization can pay its bills. So if you start hiring people or doing things, you're going to have to raise money to resource that budget that you've passed. And the best way for a board to do that is to have a development committee. Um, a plan, all these other things that boards can have or nonprofits can have all really stem from infrastructure. And what you do need with a nonprofit organization is a committee structure. Most nonprofit boards do have committees. You can put this in your bylaws or you cannot. You can decide to have committees that are standing or just ad hoc and they, they come and go. But generally, there are three committees that you're definitely going to want to have a governance committee, you're definitely going to want a finance committee, and a fundraising committee or a development committee. And development's the term that people typically use because it's not just fundraising, it is like all these different ways that you're growing the organization. Now on this uh, development committee, you could have um, <clears throat> all sorts of individuals from the, from the board itself, or you can populate your development committee with people from the public. So one great way to find future board members is actually to put them on your development committee and to see how they work out. And they might end up on your board a year or two later. So just as an example, let's say you're a local chapter of uh, the Heart Association or something, and you have a board and you have 15 people on your board, but only four people want to serve on the development committee, right? That those four people can go out and engage five, eight, or even 10 people from the larger community to serve on that committee. They don't get to vote because they're not actual board members. They don't have to attend monthly meetings, but they get to be part of this committee. And a development committee is powerful and, and because you're basically delegating, you are rallying all these people to help you. We can't, we tend to fall into this trap that we can just raise all the money ourselves as development directors or as grant writers or as the ED. We need support and we need help. And the development committee is the structure to keep the board on track. The development committee does not supervise the development director. They get the board to raise the money that they've promised to raise. And that's why it's really powerful. Yeah, no, I love that. And just as a side note, that's how I got involved um, to be on one of the boards that I'm on is um, I was on the on the fundraising or development committee first, right? So I was on that for a couple of years. I really liked what the organization was doing and I wanted to support them and be involved, right? Because it's a great networking opportunity to be on those committees a lot of times, especially if you're doing events and stuff, because then you're also meeting other people at those events, et cetera. And then I was invited to, and then I was nominated for the board because of my um, commitment in the committee, right? So it's, it's a way to, to be more involved um, with the nonprofits and do networking um, and really be able to meet other people and just, you know, put, just get your name out there too, or your nonprofit's name, et cetera, right? Or business name. So it's, it's a great way to kind of do that and move forward and see what the nonprofit that you're, um, 
volunteering for it on the committee is really doing. So absolutely. And I love what you said about um, how important it is to have this committee, because if you don't have this committee or if the board's trying to do it all, the board has so many other responsibilities. And especially as a committee member, what was great about it is I didn't have all the, the responsibility as a board member too, right? I was able just to show up to my committee meetings and I was able to really, you know, be involved with those events, but I didn't have to do everything else that the board member does. So that's also another advantage, I think. Even if you don't yeah. want to get on the board, you can help support, so. Yeah, committees are a great thing because they add uh, accountability. You can't just like volunteer loosey-goosey when it comes to fundraising. You need some structure. And the best way to be accountable is to, to have to show up regularly and talk to this other group of people about what part I actually accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. So someone comes to a nonprofit and says, I want to help out. One of the first places I would want to put them is on our development committee. And there's so many ways to help out in development that don't involve asking for money, but you definitely need to be part of a development committee. And so many nonprofits don't have a development committee. And it is one of the huge reasons keeping them small or keeping yeah. them behind because they have not fully engaged their board members. And usually it's because they're afraid. They're afraid to actually ask their board members to fundraise. And that's why they don't create this committee. Wow. Do you think there's something behind that, like that fear and that limitation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of hangups we have about money in the in the West, right? Like I think that people are shy about talking about money. They they feel like if if I ask someone for money, that I'm asking them for a favor. That is mm -hmm. not what you're doing. You're inviting someone to help make the, the vision of the world that they want happen, right? Mm -hmm. We all want clean air. We all want diseases to go away. We all want a better environment. We all want people to be healthy. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the, if you're the donor and I'm the doer, right? It's a mm -hmm. partnership. So I ask you for money, you pitch in, I go do the work, right? I'm inviting you. I'm giving you an opportunity to pitch in and help. But we too often think of asking people for money as a burden or I'm asking mm -hmm. for a favor. I don't want to be beholden to this person after I've asked them for a favor. Or we have hangups about money because we have our own hangups about wealth or money or dollars or income. I shouldn't ask Steve for something because times are tough right now. Well, you can't be the buyer and the seller, right? You can't constantly be making a decision for someone else. If you need to raise money for your organization, you can't make the decision for others. Ask, ask, ask. No one is ever offended when they're asked for money. They may be bothered if you call during dinner, but no one's offended to be invited to give to some charity. They're just not. So I think that this hangup we have about asking our own board members to fundraise is partly that, but also because we say, oh, they already give so much of their time, right? Mm -hmm. But as an executive director, I can't pay the bills with my board members' time. <laughs> I need money. <laughs> my board members need and my committee needs to raise money. So mm -hmm. we, we have to hold our boards to a high standard. And that means asking them to pitch in and raise the money to fund this organization or go do something else. But if you want to lead an organization, you got to raise money. I love that. And I, you know, it's, yeah, it is. You have to have money to pay the bills, right? You to move the mission forward, all of those things. So, and, and that's so true. There's so much like trauma related with money and emotional kind of responses with money. And once we kind of like really get into, no, I want this mission to work. It is going to make the world a better place. Will you invite, you know, I'm inviting you to, to be on this journey with me. Right. So I think that's where the the mind shift, it's so, such a good thing to, 
to come from that position and to remind your board members, like, let's go from that kind of perception to really push forward. Um, that can get over those hangups sometimes, right? So, right. Um, and then also like, okay, let's get this from a position as like kind of twofold. So let's first kind of think about people listening out there who may not have developed this committee already, right? They're just kind of like, oh, that's a thing. It doesn't just have to be board meetings or can actually be committees. You know, they might be newer nonprofits, et cetera. What are some recommendations you can give to them? And then we can move on to say, maybe they already have a fundraising committee or development committee already, but it's just not, there's no momentum in it. So if you could kind of talk to those different perspectives, that would be amazing. Yeah, I think the first thing to do is to consider um, uh, an entire like uh, board structure, right? So a board needs to have officers and it needs to have at-large members. That's pretty easy. Normally it's in the bylaws. But you can do this in, independent of the bylaws. In terms of creating a development committee, the first and most important thing you should create is a charter. And that can be two paragraphs saying what this committee does and what this committee doesn't do. Luckily, I have charters that I've drafted for people to use. You can scoop them up on my website. I think I sell them for a couple dollars, right? Like all the, the board uh, charters. Um, so I've basically been giving them away. So you could have a charter that basically says, here's our charge, right? Here's what we were created to do. So once we're clear on the vision, we can all be aligned. And once a board committee is aligned, it makes everything easier. The problem with groups or committees or juries or anytime you get a bunch of people together to solve a problem together is that there's misalignment. And if you have a charter, some kind of an organizing principle for why we're um, why we're here, why we're grouped together is uh, makes everything so much easier. So first off, starting a development committee is that you're going to need at least three people, at least three people. You're going to need a charter and then you're going to need a plan. And a plan is typically if you have development staff or an executive director, you ask them, how can we as a committee support the fundraising activities of this organization? And normally the staff will say, oh, well, we have this gala in the fall. We have we need people to identify pots of money out in the community, including foundations. Uh, and we also need someone to help thank our donors. Right. Usually the staff will have a list of things. And the development committee is there to help like carve up these responsibilities and ask the board to pitch in, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing is that you just need three people minimum. Um, you're definitely gonna need a charter and you want a plan. And usually the plan could be as simple as just a few bullets from the staff. If there are no staff, if your organization is small and there's no staff, then the board needs to figure out where is the budget? What does the budget say we're gonna spend this year? oh, we're gonna have to spend $10,000 on programs or $100,000 on programs. So the development committee can then say, okay, who do we think can give money? Who will give money to these programs? And that committee can then carve up a set of responsibilities. And it's really easy to do a development plan. People get all up in their head about development plans, but it's really who's gonna do what by when, period. That's easy. Sally is gonna ask, ask these four people by December 1st to, to give us some money toward this budget. So it's all you really need to get a development committee off and running. That's amazing. I love that. It's, it can be so simple. I think a lot of people just spin themselves out of control thinking, oh my gosh, that's a whole nother thing. And it becomes like just this thought that they need to get checked off and it becomes a big monster, right? <laughs> so it doesn't have to be. It can be three people, um, you know, know what your charter is. So how often are we going to meet possibly what your responsibilities are just so people know, okay, I got to show up to this, et cetera. And then the plan, like who's going to, who are we going to reach out to? What is our goal? What are we going to do it by? So you can have these tasks to kind of check off every week. I've even seen like fun things like little competitions internally. So if you have like different people on your committee and if so-and-so 
know, whoever reaches out to the most people, like, you know, they get a little swag thing. You can have like a fun, you can make it fun, right? Like it's all about being fun and having, you know, impact in the world and really thinking about it. It's not just a drag. Oh, I got to call these people, but it's no, it's like, this is exciting. We should ring the gong every time you know, we get a, somebody in, right? So yeah. Fundraising is fun. And if, if people see fundraising, not as a chore, but as something joyful, like, oh, I'm going to find, I'm going to go make real change in the world. I'm going to do it by engaging strangers and my friends. And they're going to see what a great person I am because I'm pitching in and I get to learn new skills and I get to party and have fun. I mean, who doesn't want to have like a, a cocktail night? If, if, you, if events are your thing, great. If you're more of an introvert and you don't want to do that, but you want to find other ways to raise money, you will learn new skills. You can run a Facebook fundraiser for your board. There's all these things you can do, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, whether you have five friends or 5,000 friends, there's all sorts of like fun and interesting fun and interesting ways to go about doing the fundraising, but you're right. It's like some people just get all geeked out on it. And then once you have your first success, once you start really raising money, you're like, oh my God, this was so easy and so much fun. And I contributed. It just is so rewarding. Yep. Sorry, there's a little background noise right now. They're uh, wind blowing outside. <laughs> I can't hear it. So. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. So yeah, so there's so many, yeah. And like you said, there's so many different things. Um, I know one of the things we like to do are golf fundraisers. So, and I'm not a golfer, right? So, but it's fun to ride around in the golf carts and deliver drinks. Like, you know, take a drink or two as well, going around. Like it's a fun day out. You can chat <laughs> right. with somebody in your golf cart. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I mean, you can have a lot of fun in the events themselves as well. And so let's kind of look at it then. If you already have this committee, um, there's, but you're just not getting people showing up. Maybe, you know, you're not getting a lot of momentum in this. How can you kind of revive it? You know? So typically what happens is um, you, so whenever you have a group working on something, there's something called social loafing. Social loafing is a social science term for as groups get bigger, they get lazier. And what that means is like, if you're in that's so cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't need to show up for the board meeting. They're going to have quorum without me. You just tend to get lazier because you think someone else is going to pick up the slack. It's that same old joke about one. And no one wants to be part of a study group, like a, a group project in high school or college, because someone's going to end up getting taking on all the work, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you start adding more and more people to a group, someone's going to get lazy. And it's actually just part of how we are. Mm-hmm. And so if everyone's walking around town square and there's some, some person that just tripped or fell or something like that, or someone that's hurt, we tend to walk by because we think someone's going to handle it right? We just, we, we tend to just, so with the larger the group, the more we, we abdicate responsibility because we assume, of course, someone's going to help this person, but I'm in a hurry, right? So if, if you understand the nature of groups, you can work to undermine that temptation by telling board members on the development committee, hey, we know that it's going to be tempting to call, to call, um, to call in and say, I can't attend this meeting. I know it's going to be tempting to skip the meeting. So one way to get higher attendance at meetings is to schedule them 12 months out. Your board will always know for 12 months when they are. So there's no surprises. Oh, this guy's scheduled. So there's no excuses. You all had this on your, so the only way someone should cancel is if it's really extreme or they got sick, right? So you have your meeting scheduled far enough in advance. The other way is to get more and more people involved, right? Um, If you have four or five people and they're always the same four or five and they're not having a lot of fun, juice it up by getting a lot more people involved. Like, Like even like scale it, find some way to do like a fun, 
um, happy hour, even if it's outdoors or whatever, right? Like get a bunch of people involved and do outdoor events. And then it starts becoming more fun because you're getting more people involved. Some folks might say, how do I get more people involved? Put out a call, put out email, put it on social media. So we actually are open call for people willing to be part of our development committee. Mm -hmm. So sometimes a person infusion can really help. The other thing is making the meetings fun. Sometimes wine, beer, games, mm -hmm. combine it. We're going to watch a movie and talk politics or, or, or talk fundraising or talk whatever. So whatever your group is. Um, so I think that one of the ways to do um, a development committee, if you're suffering from energy, is to really think of a fun, different ways to make the meeting enjoyable. But I do think it really is a numbers game. You need at least five, six, seven people as part of the group because you will have some attrition and people being lazy. Uh, so, uh, and if someone says, I can't make the meeting, they are, they are assigned more work, right? That's one of the penalties. If you cancel on a meeting, we're going to assign you stuff if you don't show up. So it gives an incentive. <laughs> Voluntold, yeah. exactly. So it, uh, so there's a lot of different ways, but you can still keep it fun. These are volunteers. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it is. It's about let's create this fun thing to do, right? Let's let's have challenges, or let's just show up and have a have it a happy hour instead of like you know a lunch meeting where everyone's rushing back to work. Let's let's make it a little bit more relaxed so we can really focus on why we're here, right? And having fun about and thinking about how how fun we can make this, how much fun we can make it. So I love that. Right. Um, also, now looking at, I mean, those are great tips too on that inertia, how to overcome that. Because I've seen that in a lot of different committees, right? So I love those tips. I think they work. I've seen them work um, personally, um, and I'm willing to try some of these other ones too. <laughs> so they sound, you know, have more fun. Um, but what about now? You also have different fundraiser ideas. You do have a tool on how to actually come up with ideas. Because the other thing too is you can just get stuck. <laughs> with doing the same old fundraisers that just are now boring, if you will, or they're just not working as well, or they're burning out your, your sponsors even. So how can you come up with like new ideas that can also help give it that juice that it needs? Yeah, so one of my nonprofit clients told me, hey, we really want a list of things to give our board to do to help with fundraising, but they're very shy about directly soliciting, like asking another carbon-based human for cash. <laughs> like they are like very nervous about that. Everything else about fundraising, they're willing to participate. They're willing to lick envelopes, but they just don't want to ask another person for money. And I was getting this kind of concern from so many groups. So I finally spent days compiling with my team um, over a hundred ways that boards could pitch in for fundraising without actually asking another person for cash. And there's a huge list. Again, it's like 115 or 117 on the list now. And maybe we'll drop in the link um, you know, for the um, on the blog post so folks can go see that. But at my website, nonprofitfixer.com on the blog, you can go find this. It's one of my most recent posts. And in that list, there's just like a whole bunch of things you could do. Board members can go out and prospect, learn about what foundations give money in that state. They can uh, run around in the community and find out what the sponsorship opportunities are. Going to a local restaurant, how do you engage with nonprofits? Do you have gift cards you give away? So you're not asking for cash, but you are asking businesses about sponsorships. So it feels more like a, a give and take, right? Mm -hmm. There's over 115 of these things that people can do. Um, that are, I think people would find very useful. So you could present this to your development committee and say, choose, right? Mm -hmm. Here's 115 ways you can do stuff this year. There's no excuses now that why you wouldn't be helping to procure money for the organization. One of them is just get us in front of the media, call mm -hmm. newsrooms, 
and pitch, get us in the press because people getting in the press sometimes leads to donations, right? So there's so many ways you can do things that feel like program, but program work and, and, and activities, but they're really kind of fundraising too and marketing. So um, that, that blog post is great. We could share that with folks too, but it is a, a huge list and people could, no board should be able to look at this and have an excuse for why they can't fundraise. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and we'll definitely share the link. Absolutely. Um, because that is such a godsend. You know, I'm so glad that your team built that because so many people, they get stuck on what, what, what should we do, right? So having a list then, it could just be an easy, okay, we're going to select these five to 10 things to do right this year. And this is how we're going to do it. And then that can make your, your plan. Because some of you guys that said, develop a plan, right? I don't know how to do that. That could be as simple as you could do it too. Is I'm going to select five to 10 things of these things on Sean's list, of, right? Out of the 115 I can choose from. And those are, that's what our plan is this year. So I love that. Thank you for that resource. That's going to be super helpful. Um, so as we're looking at this, um, again, so the development committee is so important. It's important to bring fresh people in. It doesn't all have to be your board uh, directors, nor should it be all of just your board directors, but really getting other people in and looking at, too, maybe um, inviting people that have relationships in the community as well already um, with different um, businesses that they own or, you know, different things that really connect with your nonprofit, right? Maybe some of the same mission-oriented focus as well. So can you kind of talk about that too, if you want to look for people to invite to this committee, what, who might you, you be looking for? So most charities are local, right? So mm -hmm. many of them are local and they're small. So you literally just map out your day. Okay, I go to Starbucks for coffee. I go to, not that every town has a Starbucks, but let's just say mm -hmm. you wake up, you go, you go to Starbucks, you drop your kids off at school, and then you, uh, you know, greet your mailman. And then like, there's things that are just going on through, you're interacting with other carbon-based people who all are probably good people who care about the world. Mm -hmm. Ask all of them, right? Yes. <laughs> Hey, hey, Jane, I know I usually get my bagel and coffee from you every day. Are you involved with any nonprofit? Like the number one reason why people don't get involved or don't give money is that they aren't asked, right? Wow. So if I were to ask every person I interact with, like the doorman at my building or anyone like, hey, are you are you involved in any nonprofits? Would you like to be? Because I'm part of a group that could use some help. And some people are going to say, oh, no, sorry, totally, you know, not my thing. And some are going to be like, actually, I was just talking to my friend about wanting to do more and I've got time on my hands. So if you just start asking, you will find people. So just think about who you encounter in your day, right? Mm -hmm. Cast a wide net. It sounds goofy, but most people are likely to do something if they're asked by someone they know, right? Mm -hmm. If you just put out a blast from headquarters on email saying, hey, let's do something, you're not going to get the same uptake than if someone who knows someone makes the ask. That's called peer-to-peer -peer engagement or relational yeah. organizing. People are likely to do what their friends, family, and colleagues ask them to. So there's, it's not silly to say the people you interact with um, throughout the day could really be helpful. Mm -hmm. But also look at your other assets. Look at your social media friends. Look at your followers. Look at the people you chat with and like on, on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Or certainly look at all the other ways that you interact with people, your family. Uh, any clubs, the PTA, like we're all showing up digitally or in person with other folks. Ask, ask, ask. It's so much easier to ask someone to volunteer than it is to ask them for money. But once you've gotten them to volunteer, they're going to be asking for money for you. Which That's great. I love that. And I love how you just keep going back to these really simple processes, right? It's like, no, don't make this complex. Like, 
there are people out there, they want to help, they want to contribute, keep it simple, like, and keep it more on that personal level. Like I, I love, I love that. And I was just thinking while you're talking that most of, um, so I'm on two boards right now, those two boards that I'm on, I joined because I had people actually personally call me and say, Holly, would you consider running for this board? Right. Well, right. So it's that personal ask again. And if I would have just, I could have missed an email, they would have just blasted it out. Right. But because I had someone that I knew call me and invite me to run, then I did. Right. Cause then I was like, Oh, um, and I think that also makes people feel more valued, right. Than just seeing it in an email or something like that. But if you personally reach out to somebody, they're like, Oh, they want me. <laughs> There's some of that, like, you know, there's an affirmation. So that one phone call landed you on their board. And how much have you raised for them now? Right. It's a pretty, probably a very good lucrative phone call. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they asked someone that they knew. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So I think that can be very simple, but simple is powerful in these circumstances, right? So it's it's so good. Um, so before we close out on this, I really wanna uh, also talk about, is there anything else you wanna add to this specific subject? And then if we could just talk a little bit more about the how to transform your board in 90 days, just to let people know again that that's coming up. Sure, yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say about development committees on the board is that it really is the most important committee of the board. There's the governance committee that handles like compliance and policy. There's the finance committee, yawn, who wants to deal with money coming in, money going out, like the actual audits and the finance. Like, like, I don't love that. Some people love it. I don't love that. The most fun part of an organization is the development committee. There's fun literally in the name fundraising, right? So if you think about the fact that we're coming out of COVID now, life is starting to return. There is an energy out there for connecting in person. There is money to be had. The economy is strengthening. Like on a lot of levels, now is the time to be activating a development committee if you don't have one because the time people are just itching to feel a sense of connection. And part of the ways they connect is through charitable causes. At the beginning of COVID, people were like all worried about asking for money if it wasn't for disease or if it wasn't for COVID or for frontline workers. But charities were just bombarded with cash because people were just so empathetic and wanting to be connected and feel useful. So now is the time, anytime is the time, but now is the time to activate a development committee and get involved. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, people want to be out connecting in, in meaningful ways right now, right? We are so We've been so isolated for so long that we're, we're yearning for that connection and for that contribution and to be like, no, though, you know, looking at so much, um, you know, through the pandemic, it's been very, you know, a lot of mental health issues, right? A lot of just like, wow, trauma. So now looking at the hope that we see that nonprofits provide is so inspiring and it can really help with mental health and just with changing our our kind of outlook on life. So I love that. Yes, definitely get involved. Uh, For you nonprofits out there who are wanting to start or revive your uh, development committee, um, I hope you use these tips and let us know that it's helpful for you. I know it's definitely, I was taking notes. (laughs) So it's really good. Um, And just before we close out, I did want to just invite you all to um, Sean's upcoming webinar. I mean, definitely, I know you guys got stuff out of this today. You're going to get even more out of that because you're going to be talking talking about the money, the mindset, and the mission, right? So we're really going to be looking at how to transform that board, not just your development committee, but your entire board. And Sean's going to give away some goodies for that. So once again, that is Wednesday, 
November 3rd, and it's at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can definitely sign up. Um, it's a free webinar. You can sign up at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 193, and also get some of the links to the fundraising tool that Sean talked about today and to Sean's uh, website as well. Um, so we'll have all of the show notes and the video there as well. So anything else you want to add, Sean, today before we close out? No, just I want to thank everyone out there who's doing great work in fundraising. For all the people that don't say thank you, thank you. It's like a thankless work at times, raising money for great causes. So thanks, thank you all, and thank you, Holly. Yes, you're so welcome. And where can people directly reach out to you again, Sean, as well? Uh, definitely at nonprofitfixer.com is my website, but you can also email me at Sean, S-E-A-N, at mindthegapconsulting.org. Awesome. Mindthegapconsulting.org. So .org. So that is great. Um, thank you once again for coming on the show again. And I'm sure we'll have you plenty in the future as you just contribute so much to the nonprofit sector. Thank you for your time today. And I will see you at that webinar. So I'm really excited about that as well. Awesome. Great to see you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.